Good Thursday morning, everyone, and welcome back to Spectrum's webinar. So my name is Sophia. I organize Spectrum events for you, and I bring the community together um, through learning at Spectrum. So for those of you who are new to Spectrum, we have uh, in-person events, and during this circuit breaker um, session period, we organize webinars um, to bring them to you. So uh, aside from well-designed workspaces for community experience, and we also provide the connections to expand your business. So today's webinar, we are very privileged to have Asim Thakur, the co-founder of Give Asia, speaking to us from India. So Give Asia has won several awards and has raised more than $54 million for social causes. He also runs Givola Labs, an innovation consultancy which does interesting work for interesting clients. So before I pass it over to Asim to share more, for those of you who have questions along the way, please post them on the Q&A window. So um, without further ado, Asim, over to you. Thank you, Sophia. Uh, firstly, it is a pleasure to be connecting with all of you virtually. Uh, I see some uh, familiar faces, so I'm really looking forward to this session. Um, I would uh, want to share with you that uh, it will be best to have this as a, a casual, very open conversation. So at any point of time, if you have any questions, please feel free to share with me and I'll be happy to answer them uh, as soon as I see those questions in Q&A. So today I want to share with you my journey of uh, building GiveAsia, also Givola Labs, and uh, some of the other experiences I've had uh, in, in democratizing online giving. And I hope uh, this will be valuable to you. So let me start with uh, sharing how I see myself uh, in terms of my professional life. Um, a friend of mine shared this term with me, which kind of stuck. And uh, the term is called slasher. Uh, the idea of a slasher is that you do multiple things. So, you're an entrepreneur slash uh, investor slash trainer slash author. So I really like that uh, concept. And uh, I feel that moving forward uh, in the post-COVID world, we're going to see people wearing a lot of different hats, having a lot of different side gigs, and uh, really being slashers. So personally for me, I started being a slasher quite young back in university when I started a few side projects and some of those side projects uh, took off and one of them is GiveAsia. So let me, let me share my screen and uh, share with you how we are seeing technology and uh, uh, online giving being transformed in front of our eyes right now. So I've, uh, I've uh, wore several different hats when it comes to crowdfunding. Uh, uh, both in a capacity of a founder at uh, GiveAsia, but also uh, helping one of our clients at Givola Labs, which is called Funded Here. It's an investment and uh, debt financing platform for startups. Also, I had a stint working at Rotimatic, which is a kitchen robot uh, making flatbreads. And uh, I had a chance of working on a crowdfunding campaign there, which raised uh, over $5 million. Also was part of a team uh, which uh, launched uh, Dungeons and Dragons app on Kickstarter that raised uh, over $300,000. So I've uh, had some experience in crowdfunding 
in different formats, whether it's donation, rewards, equity, and lending. So today, I'm going to focus more on GiveAsia. Uh, GiveAsia is a movement that was started uh, in 2009, and the idea was to democratize giving. Uh, we were just trying to solve our own personal itch. Uh, there was a pain point that existed in 2009 where it was not very easy, it was not very transparent, and it was not very personalized to give online to causes that you care about. And that led to uh, our team in the early days speaking with numerous nonprofits, understanding their needs, and identifying a gap of an intermediary which connected online donors and fundraisers with uh, social causes. So the inspiration for, for GiveAsia actually came to me when I was on an exchange program in San Francisco. So as you can see in this uh, image, uh, I'll share with you the backstory of this image. So I was working at a biomedical device startup as an intern in Silicon Valley and uh, I was invited for a birthday party by one of my supervisors. And when I reached the birthday party event, I realized that he had actually signed us up all for a volunteer activity with Habitat for Humanity. Uh, and this is a picture of me standing on top of a house that we helped build uh, as part of that uh, Habitat for Humanity volunteering. And this experience uh, quite touched me because it was an amazing, uh, amazing feeling working with your friends, uh, helping uh, someone in need. And uh, that was uh, the point where I thought that how can we make giving more fun? Uh, and one way to do it is by doing it with friends and making it social. So that, that was the seed uh, for GiveAsia. So when I came back from exchange program, uh, I shared this idea with a few friends and then we were on our way to building the first prototype and uh, which has now grown into Gift.Asia. Um, this is a quote by Bill uh, Drayton, uh, which uh, you know, highly resonates with me. Uh, it essentially says, uh, uh, why is it that uh, we have starving children and inadequate sanitation, war and conflict in the world when nobody really wants these things and everyone is against them? Uh, why should these problems continue? I think one of the big reasons uh, why these problems continue is because not enough effort and attention has been put into marketing social causes well. Uh, I read a New York Times article early in the days which talked about how toothpaste is sold with far greater sophistication than life-saving causes. So that was something which always uh, bugged me. And uh, what we are trying to do at GiveAsia is trying to make uh, giving more appealing to the masses. So we are on a mission to make it easier for people to help. And that involves different uh, aspects uh, from discovering causes that are personalized to your needs uh, and appeal to you, allowing you to participate, whether it's as a donor, as a fundraiser, or any other form, and also uh, figuring out how we do it in a sustainable fashion uh, so that we can continue doing what we have started. Uh, we are a social enterprise. Uh, so social mission is the first and foremost, most important thing for us. Uh, and uh, as a reason of that, we don't charge any commission fees. We rely completely on the uh, generosity of donors so they can choose to give us an optional tip, which covers our operating costs. 
Um, we also have been quite fortunate to get a lot of uh, grants uh, uh, from foundations, from Singapore government uh, in the early days when uh, we needed them to, to get to this point where we are sustainable. These are just uh, some examples of uh, types of campaigns that we see on GiveAsia from medical campaigns to volunteer driven campaigns. Uh, we have uh, natural emergencies, uh, which uh, happen quite a bit in Southeast Asia. Uh, also community memorials, sports related campaigns. And all these campaigns uh, at the end of the day have a social uh, organization as a beneficiary or an individual or a family that is in need. Uh, we've also had partnerships with uh, events like uh, Singapore Marathon uh, and help them kind of increase their fundraising impact for local charities. Um, a lot of uh, bike events, a lot of uh, sports events are using GiveAsia to year on year increase their uh, fundraising uh, amount for different charities. And uh, yeah, so these are just some other examples. Uh, we even have student volunteers. So this is a case study in Hong Kong. Uh, there's a student-led movement called 24-Hour Race, uh, where they raise uh, funds for um, causes around uh, human trafficking. And uh, this is something which uh, also raises quite a lot. Our goal over the next three years is to channel uh, $100, $100, $100 million a year uh, through GiveAsia and also build technologies for nonprofits. We believe that uh, nonprofits should be able to do more of what their core work is, which is uh, helping beneficiaries. And uh, GiveAsia can come and help with their websites and, and as well as marketing related efforts. So the challenges that we have, uh, we have faced and we are facing right now is uh, building the brand awareness and also building trust. Um, nonprofit sector typically uh, does have uh, people asking a lot of questions related to trust and transparency. So it is an ongoing process where you're always trying to figure out how can you increase the trust and transparency. And uh, it's never enough. Like you always have to be thinking a uh, few steps ahead and figuring out how you can be a more open organization, how you can build even more trust to uh, inspire people to join your movement. Uh, so, what are what are some of the what are some what what is it having a uh, good movement? So, our definition of good movement is uh, is derived from these uh, factors. So, first thing uh, we understand is that people are really busy, so it needs to be fun and easy for them to engage in the movement. Uh, currently, uh, you know, online as well as offline. Uh, things are very noisy, so you have to be a purple cow of some sort to stand out. And also there are too many causes, uh, so you have, there's a science behind uh, figuring out how do you capture people's attention. So this is the formula or the playbook of sorts, uh, which feels uh, for any social movement to work, um, these are the three factors. You need an easy action, you need a fun reward, and you need a clear impact. Uh, if you have these three things, the likelihood is that your movement will uh, be spread and it will uh, get the intended consequences. Uh, these are some examples. So uh, you, you probably have heard of Movember. It's, uh, it's in the month of November where men uh, grow a mustache and raise funds and awareness for uh, male cancer. 
So this is definitely something which uh, uh, ticks all the boxes and uh, therefore it is a good movement. Another one is Hair for Hope, which in Singapore uh, was uh, kickstarted by Children Cancer Foundation. Again, uh, very strong action, uh, very uh, clear impact, and also a fun reward of gaining a daredevil reputation when you shave your hand. So uh, this is something which we have always believed uh, that uh, it, it always starts with a small group of people. So when we started GiveAsia, uh, we, we did, we did uh, want to make an impact. Uh, but honestly, uh, over the years, things have just snowballed and we have been very fortunate enough to get partners, to get volunteers, to get uh, people to join our team and they have uh, brought it to greater heights. Uh, I will also share briefly about the change makers. So the change makers are people who desire positive change in the world and uh, they, we on a consistent basis are able to see a lot of change makers in our, in our work. Uh, and these are just examples. So this is one of my favorite fundraising stories. Uh, so these are, these are two brothers who have been raising funds for autism related charities uh, for many years. Uh, and uh, here's another example of, uh, uh, of Dr. Tan, who has been raising funds for uh, St. Luke's Eldercare and it's a hospice year after year and has uh, done a tremendous job in raising so, so much uh, for these communities. And of course, it's uh, not easy as, as you can see, like, you know, he, he was experiencing fear as uh, he was preparing for his, uh, you know, uh, 100 kilometers uh, run. So uh, even change makers do feel the change. And uh, this is a good quote, which, uh, you know, uh, I quite enjoy. Uh, I think it's all about creating awareness. It's all about uh, uh, symbolizing that as you're doing the fundraising event, you're joining in a journey of, uh, of a person uh, towards the end of life. And that's what Dr. Po uh, Kyung uh, has been focusing we, we have a philosophy and we totally believe that uh, we can do certain things that you may not be. You can do certain, certain things we cannot. Together we can do great things. So at GiveAsia, we've always had this, uh, uh, this philosophy of working with people from diverse backgrounds and seeing how we can grow uh, our impact. So, so to quickly share with you, uh, typically online campaigns follow a similar stage. Uh, you know, where the first stage is about pitching the idea, getting some validation. Second stage is building your idea. Third is delivering your promise. And fourth is leveraging your brand. Uh, so this applies for donation as well as equity, as well as reward-based crowdfunding. Um, and uh, if you are looking at uh, using online tools for doing donations or doing fundraising, these are some of the ideas, uh, some of the questions you have to ask yourself before you embark on your journey. Uh, who is your crowd that you're going to be targeting? What is your idea? Uh, who is your team? Uh, this is just an example of a, crowd, uh, of a crowdfunding uh, campaign that we did on Kickstarter, which was uh, very successful. Uh, it's called Reroll. It's, a, it's, a, it's an app which allows you to customize your D&D Dungeons and Dragons character. And uh, it uh, was something which we're able to validate quickly and uh, launch it. And uh, it did really well. And it's still live on uh, App Store. You can search for R-E-R-O-L-L. -L. And this is an, another example that uh, 
it's not just about funding, it's about finding your audience. It's about finding your passionate fans who are gonna spread um, the word about your cause. These are my parting words. It's something which gives me inspiration uh, all the time. Uh, the world is but a canvas to your imagination. And uh, as you're thinking about your uh, startup, you're thinking about your movements, your campaigns, uh, it's, it's always uh, helpful to remind yourself that a lot of times, you know, success, failure is actually in your mind. So you have to maintain, uh, you know, your psychology and uh, you have to uh, think positive as you're coming up with these ideas. Um, I would like this to be uh, more interactive. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll look at the questions and answers and try to answer any Q&As that uh, you might have. Okay, uh, I, have, I have a question here, uh, which is about how difficult was it to get early traction and regular donors when you first started Give.Asia? Uh, honestly, it was very difficult, uh, especially in the early days when the brand was not as strong. And when we were starting out in 2009, they had all, there had also been certain uh, scandals in the charity world in Singapore. So people were quite skeptical about believing uh, new organizations. Uh, so the way we solved that challenge was uh, we did a lot of uh, workshops. So I was doing a lot of workshops, speaking with the top charity leaders um, and sharing with them about online fundraising. So that helped us uh, get some few uh, charity partners in the early days and that build the confidence uh, in the Giveisha brand. Another thing which one of our mentors had shared early days was that if you're trying to enter the social impact or the charity space, uh, it takes a long time to build the trust. Uh, in, in his words, it takes almost 10 years before you can uh, be a trusted brand. Uh, so we already had uh, kind of made peace with it that it's gonna take a lot of time for us to uh, get, the, get the market trust and uh, we timed ourselves uh, accordingly. So to answer your question, I think it requires a lot of patience. Uh, brand building is something which uh, takes years. Uh, so you just have to um, prepare yourself for that journey of uh, slowly building your brand over the years. Uh, and uh, the best way to do that is to have very close relationship with your stakeholders and your partners and continuously adding value to them. Uh, and there will come a point when uh, your value will uh, help spread the word about your brand in a positive way. Uh, uh, with regards to your question about regular donors, uh, that's something which we are still working on. Uh, it is a journey. So a lot of times uh, the donor journey starts with them uh, learning about GiveAsia first. And then when they are comfortable about it being a trustworthy brand, uh, interacting with it as first-time donor. And then uh, as they see the feedback and as they get uh, updates on their donation, then they are open to becoming a regular donor. So there's a donor journey that uh, each donor follows in order to become a regular donor. I hope that answers your question. Um, the second question is, what was your proudest moment during your journey uh, with Gift.Asia? Um, I think for me, uh, the proudest moment was when I was able to help, uh, or our platform was able to help a kid who was uh, having leukemia. Uh, his, uh, his dad uh, uh, is, uh, is on uh, in Singapore. He's originally from Malaysia. 
and uh, his kid was having leukemia and they required um, a couple hundred thousand dollars for uh, his uh, son's treatment. And I remember meeting uh, the family in NUH uh, and uh, I, I was just feeling so uh, devastated to imagine how it must feel like to have uh, a son who is, uh, you know, or facing not having the funds for it. Um, so I, I did uh, try uh, to, to do whatever, we, we tried to do whatever we can to help, uh, help the kid raise funds for his treatment. And uh, we were very proud and happy uh, when the treatment went through. And uh, now the kid is uh, in very healthy and happy condition. So that was definitely uh, one of the proudest moments for me. Okay, uh, the, the next question is, um, appreciate if you could elaborate more on your goal as a nonprofit uh, tech leader. How could social services society work with you? Yes, um, so over the past 10 years, we have built a donation and fundraising platform, uh, which uh, empowers other charities and also allows people to raise funds uh, through med for medical campaigns or for emergencies. So we have invested significantly in building a technology tool uh, that allows people to donate, that allows people to fundraise, and also allows um, <clears throat> nonprofits and uh, organizations to send updates to these donors. Uh, so we have uh, open sourced uh, this uh, technology uh, in, in the form of a platform called Giviki, G-I-V-I-K-I. So any organization in the world which has a social mission can use GiveWiki platform uh, to have their own branded donation and fundraising platform. Uh, so that's how we are building these technology tools, mostly for ourselves. But once we build these technology tools, we add them back to the GiveWiki platform and uh, open it up to as many charities and social enterprises and nonprofits around the world to benefit from it. Uh, because our insight is that uh, most nonprofits uh, do not invest or do not have the resources to build their own technology tools. And that's where we can come in play and uh, provide them these uh, technology products to, to do better fundraising, to do better uh, segmentation of their donors and uh, also do better digital marketing uh, through the tools that we provide them. Uh, I have another question, which is, uh, so Asim, are you saying that if some good product and UX folks from companies skilled at getting consumers hooked and addicted to their product, turn their attention to this sector and use distributed ledgers or similar transaction, verifiable tools to go cross come in, this sector will grow. Um, will Facebook and Google eat up this sector? Um, I, I, I think it is, uh, it is fairly reasonable to say that uh, any, any new products, any new services that you can build to bring more trust and transparency uh, to, to this uh, sector would definitely help. Uh, and um, I, 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 I do see uh, your question about you know, the big players, whether it's Facebook or Google, uh, you know, uh, eating up this sector. Uh, I think, I think uh, we think from the perspective of uh, of the users, you know, which are the charities, which are the donors, which are the fundraisers. So whatever provides most value to them, uh, you know, is best for the sector. So if, uh, you know, Facebook and Google are able to provide uh, amazing tools at, uh, 
you know, at uh, amazing uh, uh, experience for donors, then yes, like, you know, we welcome them to the sector and it will be great uh, to, to have those guys play in this sector because ultimately it helps the nonprofit organizations which can do more good. Um, we have a question uh, which is, um, there are many, there are other platforms that are in the market such as giving.sg in Singapore. How do you see the collaboration between you and such organizations as both have a heart of helping NGOs and others response? Uh, thanks for Chris. Uh, yes, you're right. There are other platforms and constantly we try to work with them. We try to collaborate with them. And this could be in the form of uh, figuring out what could be certain movements that we can work on together to increase, uh, to increase the giving lifestyle in Singapore. Uh, an example of that would be that we partner with them in campaigns such as Giving Tuesday. So Giving Tuesday is a global campaign where uh, people are encouraged to give on a certain date in a certain month. Uh, likewise, uh, we also are always looking for ways in which we can collaborate with other platforms to run joint campaigns uh, which target the nation uh, at the national level. Uh, so th those are some of the ways. Uh, other than that, yeah, I don't really see them uh, you know, as competitors. I see them as peers who have a similar social mission. So we are always looking for ways in which uh, we can support each other. And, uh, you know, that's, that's uh, how we see them. Uh, there's another question, which is, what is your advice to aspiring serial entrepreneurs? Uh, um, my advice to serial, uh, aspiring serial entrepreneurs would be to get as many experiences as you can. Uh, so uh, be strategic about the projects that you choose to work on. Um, try and get involved in a lot of different types of uh, projects. Uh, these could be side gigs, these could be uh, consulting projects, could be volunteer projects, uh, because what you want to do is to get a lot of different experiences from different sectors, wear a lot of different hats, and uh, those experiences will prepare you for, um, for your startups that you're gonna be starting as a serial entrepreneur. Um, so, so my advice would really be to get involved in as many interesting projects as you possibly could uh, to, to get all these different experiences. Um, the other thing I would also say, uh, say for you is that try and be involved in fast-growing organizations. So reach out to startups which you uh, see are growing fast and uh, try and uh, add value to them because that's where you will learn the most uh, and you will learn the fastest. Um, what is your vision of Givola Labs? Um, there, are, there are other areas aside from gaming as shared on the slides. Yes, um, the idea of Givola Labs really uh, was inspired by a quote which I read uh, that was by Tim O'Reilly. So Tim O'Reilly was uh, at one point in his life asked, you know, what is his business plan for himself? And his answer was to do interesting work with interesting people. Uh, so that was really, the genesis of Givola Labs. Um, you know, we wanted to create a platform where we can work with uh, people who are passionate about a particular industry and uh, work with them to build products uh, around those areas. Uh, so, so yeah, the idea is really, I think a lot of innovation and a lot of good ideas come from solving your own pain points. And uh, at Givola Labs, uh, we have technology and design uh, skills so when we pair up with uh, 
passionate founders or we pair up with people who have a problem they want to solve. Uh, and then we, we, we bring our product development resources and uh, build those products together. It is very meaningful. At the same time, we are able to create value for the world. Uh, I really believe for me I, uh, and for Givola Labs in general, uh, we like building things. So whenever there's an opportunity for us to build something new, build something innovative, which has a potential of uh, helping a lot of people, we get very excited. And uh, Givola Labs provides a platform for that. Uh, in addition to gaming, we have also uh, done things uh, in other industries like logistics, uh, like uh, uh, insurance, uh, but those are most, mostly with other uh, clients, uh, other projects. However, we are always looking to you know, build new things uh, as, as, we, as we see gaps in the market. How does the fundraising regulations in each country affect Givetia's operations or well-intended individuals or ground initiatives uh, that, which want to fundraise for various social causes? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. So in each uh, country, uh, we work with uh, different uh, regulators and government bodies. So in Singapore, uh, we have been uh, collaborating and working closely with the Commissioner of Charities. Uh, in fact, we are one of the four registered crowdfunding platforms uh, that practice the code of online uh, giving. And uh, it's very important in, uh, in order for us to be a truly regional platform to have these tie-ups and uh, work in accordance to, to the regulations to uh, evoke trust and transparency in the way we uh, collect donations and do fundraising. So this is definitely one of the core areas of uh, the platform where we have to constantly be working on different regulations. And uh, to, your, to your point, uh, yeah, the regulations are quite different as you go from one market to another. Uh, so I won't get into the specific regulations, but uh, uh, yeah, I would certainly say that uh, this is something which uh, we have to always account for and always invest in. Uh, this is a question, apart from fundraising, where else do you see the direction of Give Asia and social causes? Uh, vision of 100 million in three years, where to from there? Um, for, for, for me, Give Asia is, uh, is a one-stop place for uh, facilitating giving in uh, Asia. I, I believe there are a lot of social problems in, uh, in Asia. I believe there are a lot of individuals, there are a lot of corporations who want to uh, invest their resources to create a better world. And uh, our vision really is to be the place where we connect uh, those with resources uh, to whom who don't have those resources. Uh, so the vision is uh, you know, always to create a giving lifestyle in Asia. And uh, that's something which uh, you, know, you, you will always continue to get closer to, but you will never quite reach there. So, so yeah, the vision is always to uh, make Asia even more giving uh, and uh, I, I believe like that's a great vision uh, to to aspire to because you know all of us want to be a, a part of uh, an Asia or part of a world which is uh, kind which is compassionate uh, which is helpful to each other uh, and and that need has been amplified and that need has been brought to our attention more than any other time uh, due to the current crisis that we are all dealing with. Okay, uh, there's a question. Uh, there are moves to make round up, rounding up savings and investments happen at purchase checkout. 
uh, is the reason it's not taking off for donations that the merchant uh, chooses the charity and not the consumers. How important is impulse one of giving as the first step for repeat recurring giving for larger amounts over a few years like funding education? Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I think uh, what you are talking about here is this uh, concept of embedded giving. Uh, I, I certainly believe that embedded giving is uh, a great way to give back in a consistent fashion and uh, not be able to think about it again and again. Uh, so there's definitely uh, something there in terms of uh, you know, giving people the choice to round up, uh, round up at every time they're purchasing through credit cards or debit cards and give that extra amount to a charity of their choice. I do think it is important to give the choice to the person who is making the purchase as to where that fund should be uh, uh, should be sent to. Because uh, I think uh, people care about certain types of causes. It's quite personal from person to person. So if you can give them that choice to decide where their funds will go, uh, it's more likely to stick. And um, I, I have found that like, uh, in order to get repeat recurring giving, uh, uh, yeah, it always starts with one of the domains. And, uh, you just have to make sure that you provide a consistent uh, feedback and you provide good update. And then the likelihood of uh, these one-time givers to convert to recurring donors is a lot higher. I hope that answers your question. Um, There's a question about uh, how do I raise money for a foreign community? Um, so so uh, there are certain regulations around this. Uh, you can go to give.asia and uh, you know, reach out to help desk at give.asia. Uh, if you qualify and if uh, there's any way we can assist you, we'd be happy to do so. Uh, there's a question about how can, how can the amount I collect not be subjected to the 80-20 rule? Uh, so for those who might not be uh, familiar with 80-20 rule, in Singapore, there is a fundraising rule uh, which requires you to spend 80% of the funds raised through public fundraising in Singapore and 20% uh, can go for the foreign cause unless you have certain uh, uh, exemption from, from the Singapore government. Uh, yeah, so again, like, uh, you know, I would not be able to uh, comment on that. I think you'll have to check with uh, with the with the commissioner of charities to see if you if you can uh, can raise funds for foreign causes uh, without being subjected to 8020 rule. Um, we have a question which is by Melissa. Uh, can you elaborate on your payment system, credit cards, PayPal, etc. All charge high fees. How do you have to reduce these charges in order to maximize the funds? for the charitable causes. Uh, thanks, Melissa, for that question. Um, so we work with uh, Stripe and uh, we are able to reduce the uh, payment processing fees by quite a lot uh, because of the high volume as well as uh, uh, Stripe has some charity, um, charity rates to offer. Uh, we have been looking at working with PayPal as well. Uh, however, as you mentioned, like some of the charges can be quite high and that can be a prohibitive factor uh, for charities as well as donors. So uh, it is an ongoing process we, where we continuously engage with uh, the different uh, payment gateway providers 
and see what's the best we can do in terms of reducing those transaction fees. Uh, after a certain point, it does become uh, a diminishing return uh, activity. So uh, instead of like putting that effort into uh, trying to reduce the transaction fees, we, we'd rather spend that effort into improving the user experience and improving the conversion of our existing product. Uh, so, so while we while we we understand the concern of charities and donors that they would like uh, as much funds that they donate go to the intended beneficiaries, uh, we are also mindful that uh, the providers of this payment infrastructure uh, would not offer their service for free. So it's almost like paying for electricity. Um, you know, you have to you have to bear with it and you have to absorb that cost. Okay. Uh, no, no more open questions uh, right now. Thank you, Asim. Um, I do have a question for you. Okay. So, um, we know that you shared in your slides as well that um, the idea came about um, yeah. during house building. But at the same time, we saw your interviews uh, to talk about your journeys. Um, you were also um, in, in, in university when you decided to embark on your professional journey in entrepreneurship. Yeah. So probably you want to share with us uh, your journey from the start to where you are today. Yeah, sure. Um, so, so I think it was uh, following my own bliss. Uh, I, I did pretty well in academics and university, but it was not as satisfying as I thought it would be to get into Dean's List. And uh, then I started thinking, what else can I be doing to feel more engaged and feel more alive? Um, I was uh, given a book uh, by a friend, which was uh, by Richard Branson called uh, Losing My Virginity. And as I read that book, uh, it really uh, resonated with me. And uh, that was like a sense of like excitement and sense of uh, adventure, uh, which uh, pushed me into the direction of you know, trying out something new, trying out a new idea. And uh, that's when I started a food delivery business in uh, university. Uh, this was back in 2006, I believe. Uh, and, and that just like, you know, uh, gave me a lot of enthusiasm and energy because uh, I started seeing people coming to, coming to me, coming to our team and sharing how, uh, how grateful they were that we were providing this service. So for me, that was the moment when, you know, I realized that uh, with, with the products and services that I can build, I could actually make an impact on uh, someone's life. And uh, that was the starting point uh, where um, after that, I did have an opportunity to work in some bigger organizations, uh, but I always uh, craved that, uh, you know, that, you know, that relationship with uh, users where I could see that how the work that I'm doing uh, creates value for a, for a specific uh, individual, specific person. Uh, so that was, that, was, that was how it started. And I think after that point, it has pretty much been the same story uh, again and again, where I first tried to find a person for whom I could solve a problem. And uh, you know, it could be myself, it could be people I know, and uh, once, once uh, you know, I find more about the problem, it just uh, the curiosity of understanding the challenge, understanding the problems, takes me deeper and deeper into understanding and having empathy for the user. 
and once once you have that level of empathy where you can understand what the user really wants uh, then it's all about uh, having the focus uh, to solve the big problems and uh, going deep into uh, solving those problems uh, so so pretty much that has been the journey in terms of like starting give asia in terms of givola labs also working on you know some other projects at the moment and they are all derived from um, that empathy and that focus on you know solving important problems uh, for users that's brilliant you have your heart in the right places so yeah, um thank you <laughs> i think uh there's uh there are two more questions um, sure do you want to address yeah. those yeah uh, so how did you onboard uh, the different charities on givesia you mentioned that you ran workshops which probably helped to build the relations and trust in the social enterprise sector uh, takes a long time to build uh, was it a door to door onboarding experience thanks brandon hope you're doing well uh, yes uh, in the beginning it was a kind of knocking on the door uh, experience so you know i i still remember it was me like you know going into going to visit all these charities and like you know trying to explain them about online fundraising trying to explain how social media is going to change the way donations and uh, fundraising works and a lot of uh, charities at that point were skeptical uh, because uh, they did not think of online giving as uh, particularly safe and uh, yeah I, I did i did have to go through this whole process and uh, one thing i realized was that maybe it's better to do workshops uh, so that we can get all the influencers in one spot and that that was really the reason for organizing these workshops uh, because yeah i was spending a lot of time uh, going to charity one by one instead uh, i thought like you know why not bring them into one location and and you know take about a day to uh, really share with them the basics of how online giving and online fundraising can can work um and uh, yeah to your point uh, education is definitely quite time consuming it takes a lot of effort uh, but that was something which we had to do in order to you know get the sector to see uh, see the benefits of uh, moving online i hope that answers your question uh, we have another person uh, who's uh, saying uh, talk to mastercard <laughs> they are in the same office complex as spectrum it could be linked to mastercard aid program developed by mastercard labs team there uh thank thank you so much uh, shubhrendu uh you know i'd love i'd love a introduction so you know uh, if if you could introduce me i'd i'd love to talk to them and if this comes through um i'll buy you a beer <laughs> yeah thank you uh you can find me on linkedin so it's uh, asim k thakur uh always looking to uh you know talk to like minded people and uh you know help each other out yeah Great, thank you, thank you, Asim. Thank you very much for today's session. Um, keep the conversation going, and uh, you can reach out to Asim on LinkedIn. So, a uh, very uh, inspiring speaker indeed. A young entrepreneur um, like Asim is very much um, a speaker that we want to profile at our um, events. Um, very uh, to to hopefully you have brought back new information and new knowledge. Um, thank you again, participants, for joining us for today's webinar. Thank you, Asim, for your insightful um, um, session today. 
And um, our next webinar will be on the 14th of May um, on HR changes to COVID-19, the challenges and opportunities. So if you have any feedback uh, regarding this uh, session as well, please fill it in uh, once you exit the webinar. So I thank again, uh, Asim, thank you very much for your time. Um, I know that, uh, you know, um, all the way from India uh, talking to us, really, really appreciate that. So everyone stay safe and keep well. If uh, Do connect with me and Asim on LinkedIn as well. Thank you and uh, have a good day today. Thank you. Bye-bye. Everyone have a good day. Be safe. Keep well. Bye.